Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Pass. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's Froth here. Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Happy Sunday. Thank you very much for listening and checking out the show. Hope you're doing well. So, yeah. Sundays, if I'm podcasting, that means I ran my game last night. Saturday night. Night Below campaign, running the old TSR 2nd edition Night Below campaign box set. Massive, massive, massive box full of goodies. And, um, you know, the last couple of sessions have been so epic and gone so well. I guess, you know, every session can't be a masterpiece. It wasn't, you know... It wasn't by any stretch a disaster or anything, but uh, anyway, it was still fun and there were still, you know, some interesting things that happened, but I don't know if, uh, maybe, maybe sometimes I do that to myself. If something goes really well. I maybe assume there's going to be a letdown or something. I don't think that's really what happened. There were some events conspiring against me a little bit i think that affected a little bit but we'll get into all that first i had a couple of call-ins um kind of dealing with the last episode now this is going back a couple of weeks because i didn't run my game last weekend but the call-ins are in reference to uh to the last session where uh there was no combat it was just very kind of role play heavy lots of humor uh the the party had met this this lost merchant named Garlsbad who uh, had fallen off the road, you know, gotten off the road and uh, it worked. It was just a complete random encounter that, you know, turned into a whole you know session of play. And it also helped to introduce a new character. One of the players characters had died the session before that. And so there was a, a traveling wizard, Lanix, that was hired help for for Garlsbad. That was, you know, so it, it served um, served that purpose, you know, to bring another character in. But then it just developed into its own thing. It was really funny. If you if if you didn't listen to that that last night below session recap, um, you might enjoy it. But anyway, that's what these call-ins are reference in reference to. So let's check these out. Hey Froth, it's Liren. It sounds like you guys had a great time at your game. See, that kind of role-playing sounds like such fun to me, and making up, you know, amusing characters and things like that, it just sounds awesome. Alright, well, just wanted to say that I enjoyed your show. Have a good one. Hey Froth, it's Shane. Uh, so I was laughing so hard at that merchant, man. That, that sounds like a hilarious session. Uh, I'd be curious to know what random table that was that you rolled on, because it sounds like it went from completely off the rails, obviously, which is great. I love role-playing sessions. Like, uh, I've been trying a little bit to make sure there's a little bit of everything in every session, and sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. But you're right, great advice about just <clears throat> sitting back, taking it easy, and uh, letting things happen. I had that happen in a game lately. Uh, they were going to hunt down a werewolf and they decided to use one of the characters as bait, which I didn't plan for. And then it got silly. So it was good. Anyway, cheers. 
So you just heard from Liren from Updates in the Middle of Nowhere and Shane Ward from Gilligan's Isle of ADD. And uh, thank you both for, for calling in. Very much appreciated. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, so Liren, I, I wish I could say it's always that way, like the magic of role playing. But And I do think different players... It's not that they have different goals with the game. Some people just, uh, I think, and you know, people enjoy different parts of the game maybe more than others. And some people are maybe more, obviously people, are, some people are more naturally outgoing or whatever. Or some people just, uh, I don't know, fall more naturally into it than others. And that's totally fine and expected, but. For me, it can, I have to have, like, it's hard sometimes to roll up a random character in some of these games, and it's hard for me to kind of be able to hang my hat on some characteristics and things like that um, initially. Sometimes it maybe takes me a second to develop a character. Other times I have something so clear that it, it it's really easy. And uh, sometimes I think it was like a long time ago, but on Spike Pit, Colin Green was talking about all these different weird fantasy races, you know, bringing them into a game. And some of them are just so, you know, bizarre and weird that it's hard to, I don't know, come up with something culturally to help you role play with it. But I, I, I'm finding more and more for me, it's really just about coming up with some kind of personality quirks and, and also trying to develop some kind of voice. You know, some people are really good with, with using voices. Others are really good and they never use voices. Like, uh, I think his name's Jason Carl that GMs on this LA by night vampire, the masquerade, uh, stream. He's a really good GM, but he never really you know, changes his voice or does the, I think most, most people's main voices, if they're American, just trying to try on an English accent or whatever. And then I see, uh, folks from England on some stream streaming shows that, uh, are really good at doing American accents and you don't know until they're out of character that they're, that they weren't American. Um, but I don't know. I guess my original point was it is really fun when it works. Uh, when you, when you get in the zone and when you have a character that you can, uh, really get into. And I think for me, it, it, it's something about having that, those personality quirks or a voice or something like that. And, but I really, as far as just, a if it's just a really straight character that's, you know, doesn't have any thing unusual about them. I think it's harder for me. So, um, anyway, thank you for listening. And then Shane, yeah, the, the random table that was just from, uh, the classic, you know, one EDMG, um, looking at, uh, uh, you know, terrain by type. So since it was like a civilized area, you're more likely to just come upon like, uh, you know, whatever, woodsmen and, and merchants and stuff like that because they were out of the forest 
I'll, that's my favorite random tables are in the 1E DMG, but I've, I've tried moving away from them a little bit. I've mentioned before because I, I want to utilize some of the other monster books and everything. And it, it the 1E, 1E DMG just deals with the main monster manual. But uh, that sounds like an awesome session with the werewolf. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I, and I get to where you're talking about um, wanting to try to include a little bit of everything. I think most GMs are that way. I'm certainly that way. Uh, I've had a feeling before, like if we did get to a combat that, you know, some players might not enjoy it as much or whatever, but in the end now I'm just kind of getting more into just really letting it happen and trying not to force any of the action and letting the story unfold. And if it takes, if it takes forever to accomplish something that, you know, I could have tried to force in there, then I, I, it's fine for it to do that. You know, I don't think being impatient helps a GM at all. Um, you end up making mistakes, like some of the little mistakes and stuff that I made, uh, made last night. Not that I was impatient. I was just maybe distracted or not focused, but at any rate, I really appreciate y'all calling in. If any listeners out there haven't checked out their, their podcasts here on anchor, they're both excellent. And, uh, so we're going to take a two second break and then we'll get into last night's session. And now a word from our sponsors. All right. So last night's session, yeah, you know, it was one that didn't get off to the hottest start because I was running late. And I've mentioned before, if I'm running late, I don't need a ton of time to get myself set up, but there's something about, I don't know, I like to get myself centered before playing. And I wasn't able to do that, but um, I wasn't running too late, like 15 minutes, but it ended up, you know, Cyril the Assassin was going to miss again. Cyril's got a lot going on. He told me he's got like two weddings over the next two months that he's a part of and other family stuff. So Cyril's attendance is going to be spotty. I know kind of basically through the summer. Um, and then Cass was going to be late. She didn't end up playing. So she's missed the last couple sessions having to, to work late on Saturdays. Put Cass and Cyril together and that's, major firepower not there for the 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 party major um Cass is kind of like you know the fighting tank she has the lowest ac and uh and cyril um fifth level assassin you know deadly if he gets behind somebody deadly not to mention all his poison tricks and all that so and then the player that plays lanix you know the 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 with the newly rolled magic, the newly rolled magic user was somewhere on the outskirts of Delaware when we started. <laughs> That's the the, ma- the magic of uh, of online gaming and you know using Discord for voice. You know you can be hurtling through the darkness in your car somewhere on the outskirts of Delaware, uh, and still be on the you know the phone playing. But so. You know, he was there, but he was like, I can't remember what spells I've got. You know, he's not being able to look at his sheet or anything. So he he made it back to his house like halfway through the session. But, you know, for a minute there, he was, you know, somewhere on the outskirts of Delaware. (laughs) 
And then uh, in the middle of the session, Xanril the cleric had to step away for a minute to go give somebody a quick ride and come back, like, you know, miss like a 20-minute chunk or so. So you put all that together, and it was not, uh, you know, super, I don't know. Uh, it was a little chaotic. That's the right word. Chaotic. Search the old Sunday morning memory banks. But anyway, the last couple sessions, if you're just now listening to this and you're not caught up and you're feeling lost, it's pretty simple where they're, where they're at. You know, the party has to get through this cavern that is basically an orc lair. A couple sessions ago, they made their first, you know, onslaught against the lair, knocked out like 29 orcs and a few cave lizards, massive, massive combat. If you want to listen back to that one, it was pretty epic. Uh, and then the party had to retreat. They went to kind of lick their wounds a little bit um, after one of the, the party members was killed by a cave lizard. And that's where they met up, the, you know, the last session that we kind of talked about with Garlsbad and uh, the uh, and the, the new uh, Magic User Lanix. Let me see if I can turn my notifications off so that doesn't happen any again. Sometimes I forget to do that. So, um, the last session, they ended up at Lord Palfrey's Keep, who's kind of one of the, the main, you know, call them the, you know, the rich guys in the, in the area, where they uh, regrouped, buried their friend, and, uh, and, were, and, and acquired, you know, four-minute arms to, to, to accompany them. So the session started with the party kind of planning and trying to plot and think about how they want to attack this orc lair because it is really not a, let's just walk in and see what happens. I mean, you could do that. You, you really increase your chances of dying. So Marcos was kind of trying to lead the, Father Marcos the cleric was trying to lead the party through strategy. And so they're, this is something that happens a lot in early edition games where the, the, he don't have that expectation of everything being perfectly balanced, you know, later editions, you, uh, there can often be an assumption that whatever you encounter or, or get into a fight with is, you know, could be a little bit less challenging, could be a little bit more challenging, but it's all something that you that you are capable of fighting, you know, you're capable of facing it. They have these challenge ratings and, and everything where you can calculate exactly, you know, and approximate at least how hard something's going to be and what's going to be just right for the party. Well, there's none of that in AD and I mean, you know, there is stuff at upper levels of the dungeon is typically easier to fight than lower levels, but when you're dealing out in the wilderness and out in the underdark and, and all this, all bets are off. You know, it's really a matter of what I roll is what they're going to encounter most of the time. And it could be just about anything. So in a lot of early edition games, there's a lot of creative strategy and coming up with ways to get around things in it, you know, whether it be fighting or, or otherwise. And, um, so they're talking about all their different spells and trying to think, you know, go ahead and plot and plan and think about what they're going to do. And they kind of just, in the end, it does kind of end up, well, we're just going to have to walk in there, but they, they at least kind of assessed what they had and were thinking about it because they do have some good, um, 
they do have several good spells. I mean, obviously things like sleep stick out at you, but um, invisibility is is really important in, in situations like this. And um, um, anyway, so they one thing I thought I'd mention. You know, they had traveled to Lord Palfrey's keep, which is you know miles and miles away, and. Uh, one of the things that's really important to me in, in my games, D&D at least, that distinguishes D&D from other games is the is overland travel and how what an important part of that part of it uh, it is for me. Because in other games, it I tend to hand wave travel a little bit. Like if I'm running Call of Cthulhu or something, and I need to go from one side of London to the other. You know, I'm not talking about you go down this street. Let's see if you encounter anything on this street. It's, there's none of that. You know, they're just from one place to another. D&D, &D, I never do that. I never hand wave travel. Maybe some people do. I'm sure some people do. But I, it's a big part of the game and the draw for me. It, having an overland map, it, it really gives the players a sense of distance. And, you know, random encounters and random roles is... A, Without that, it's not classic D&D &D to me. It really isn't. So, um, you know, this area that they're adventuring in is is much, much smaller than some I've done before. You know, in, my, my, in an earlier Greyhawk campaign, you know, the hex on the, that classic Darlene maps, the, the hexes are 30 miles across. 30 miles. I mean, it is a huge, huge area. And so it really came into play, um, the distance, you know, you're talking about days and weeks to go to a location and everything. And it just, to me, it's really important. Now I'm not such a stickler on the, the rations at this point anymore, just because the party is, you know, they're super wealthy. So I don't need to make them, you know, count their copper pieces and, and all that. Um, if they, they bought a bunch of food, you know, that's fine. Light sources, though, that's a different story. But um, but it's really about you know the, the checks through the days, the the overnight you know watches, and uh, the weather, and, and trying to give it that feel you know of time passing, of distance. That's um, really important to me. Um, and we already talked about you know Garlsbad earlier, and the you know the magic of random tables. I love having that random element. You know there could be stuff going on, that plot sort of thing bubbling. But I gotta have I gotta have those random elements. I gotta have that stuff that just emerges through play that you don't plan for. That without that, it's really not D and D to me. So the party you know travels back um, through Thurmaster back to the edge of the woods and um, makes their way back into the caverns. First, they had to camp out for the night on the edge of the woods, and um, which they did, and they didn't encounter anything. And so they make them, their way back into the cave system. So they, as they get closer, to, there's these, you know, two huge doors to the orc lair. You know, they're just there in the side of the cavern wall. Massive keyhole. They found this two-piece key earlier in the campaign to be able to get in it. As they get anywhere near the doors, though, stench. Death stench. You know, keeping in mind they killed, you know, over you know, over two dozen orcs and a, and a couple lizards in there. So it's 
death stench. So I make everybody roll con checks and several of them fail miserably. So I've got them vomiting, nauseous, eyes burning, can't, you know, can't handle it. So penalties. So they, uh, Father Marcos thinks to kind of mat, you know, tear off part of his sleeve and put it over their face, which some of the others do as well. And some of them are start, I start just doing like con checks every, you know, whatever, 15 minutes of game time or so as some of them kind of get used to it. But for a minute they're they're uh, really affected. And so they come to the door and what they've been doing every time they got to the door before is to look through the keyhole to see what they can see. Uh, and so this time Taryn, the Ranger goes to look through the keyhole, kind of presses his face up against the door and psh, shock. There had been a glyph of warding cast on the door. Psh, takes like 15 points of damage, goes flying backwards. Like he was electrocuted from a power line or something back, you know, bangs against the side of the, the cavern wall. So it's like, Oh, you know, didn't see that coming. It was one of those nights where the rolls seemed to go against Taryn, the Ranger, but, um, once they, he kind of recovers from that, they can see nothing through the keyhole except for like a couple of like scales or something. Because what's happened is those orcs have piled all the dead orc bodies and the cave lizards up against the doors. And the stench is unbearable. So the party is now trying to you know decide how they're even going to get into the doors. To But um, in the meantime, the stench is attracting creatures. And I've rolled a random encounter. Comes up three scorpions. So, boy, scorpions. Those are bad boys, you know. Bad boys. Uh, you know, pincher, pincher, stinger, you know. Your claw, claw, bite. It's pincher, pincher, stinger. And it's a, it's brutal. Um, it really makes me, I really like how I do save or die, you know, my games. You know, it's, it's save or drop to zero. And uh, in the case of poison or something... I do allow for, if it's quick, um, kind of magical CPR, magical resuscitation. Because if I didn't, we'd never get through this this campaign. Because <laughs> we'd be constantly rolling. Even allowing that, there's still deaths. And we had, you know, the spider incident. <laughs> we'll just call it the spider incident of several sessions back where, um, you know, if, if everybody gets hit, you know, they could be a, a total Wyatt. But... Still had several players go down to the stinger, but uh, they managed to fight them off. And this was where I could tell my focus wasn't there because Xanril had to, the cleric had to go, you know, go pick somebody up in real life, take them home from work. And so it put me in the position that I hate of playing a player character for somebody. But because Xanril is only going to be gone a few minutes, I didn't want to be like, well, y'all can't benefit from his healing until he gets back, you know, because they, they were going to need it with these scorpions. And so that kind of throws me off having to shift my focus from, you know, to do both sides kind of thing. And uh, so at one point I'd forgotten to take a couple of the scorpions turns. And then I completely forgot that the party had men at arms. Of course, they didn't say anything because they're so new to the party. And we, I haven't given them any personality at all other than they're, they're, they don't have any wives or children and are, are ready to die. Um, so that just kind of, you know what I mean? It wasn't a disaster. The, the, they, 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 
defeated the encounter. It was challenging everything, but I wasn't on top of my game. You know, I missed some turns that for the scorpions, I missed some turns that would have helped the party. It just wasn't very inspired, but it was what it was. So the party then began to push against the doors together to just shove the bodies just a little bit to where they could get just a crack in the door and start pulling some of the orc bodies towards them uh, to, to try to make a pathway through the, the doorway. And so, you know, I'd have them like tug on an orc and the arm come off or, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And they're just, you know, moving the bodies this way. It takes um, over an hour uh, of them to do that. It probably should have even taken longer, but it took over an hour and at which time I ended up with another random check where, uh, this giant tick fell on <laughs> Lanix, the magic user. Oh boy. This giant tick. I said it was like the size of a chihuahua and it fell on its head and bit him. And then it started, you know, a slurping and a sucking and <laughs> And so they quickly dispatched the giant tick, but that was just another random encounter that happened. By this time, they had opened up a passage through the you know the carnage that had been piled against the door, uh, where one person at a time could move through it. And so uh, they were now ready. You know, Zanril, the player, had gotten back. Lanix, the magic user. The, the player that plays Lanix was no longer on the, the outskirts of Delaware was back safely at home. So everybody was kind of ready for what came next. And so that's my part two coming up just one second. So yeah, not going to lie. The, uh, you know, this whole orc layer thing is super challenging. I mean, it's the big, final encounter, final thing of the first book of the three book night below campaign. And it's, uh, it's not for the faint of heart. It, it is, there's no doubt it is a massive obstacle. Very, very challenging. Um, so the party had made a little passageway through the doorway. Father Marcos goes in into the darkness, kind of nothing happens. He gets about 10 feet in the door and then Taryn follows him in. And as they're kind of pushing forward just a little bit to make room for the others to come in. Another trap had been set for them, a magical trap that uh, had happened before or they encountered before in the, uh, in the mines earlier in the campaign. It was this spell from second edition called Wyvern Watch. It's kind of like one of these alarm spells where there's like a swirling cloud that mist that kind of, you look at it for a minute it resembles like a wyvern in the mist and basically looking on it can cause paralyzation so because they had a light source there was a 30 percent chance that they could avoid it which um marcos was able to turn his head away but unfortunately Taryn was paralyzed and when Taryn became paralyzed from down the hallway far out of the reach of their light source crossbow bolts come flying and just stum, dum, dum, four just stick straight into to um to Taryn. So it's like run away you know the second they got in paralyzation crossbow bolts pulling Taryn out of the you know back out of the um the cavern 
And so it was here that, you know, I could sense it was, play, you know, they started strategizing again, but, you know, they're coming up with different ideas and they weren't arguing with each other or anything like that. Don't The players play really, really well together, but there was a palpable sense of frustration because this is so challenging, you know, a full frontal assault into this cavern with creatures that know that you're there and that obviously outnumber you and, uh, and have the, you know, the total advantage. And, you know, part of it is it's just challenging on paper. The other part of it is if, you know, it's written into this thing that if the, the party, you know, takes a few days between attacking the cavern, the orcs, and they know this now, so I'm not blowing this for any of my players that might listen to this, but they make, the orcs make a lot of preparations if they take a few days. You know, the first day they cast that glyph of warning on that door, they pile up all the orc bodies and the giant lizard bodies and some rocks and stuff against the doorway. And then they have that wyvern watch cast, you know, about 10 feet inside the door. So... They really, the orcs do a good job of, of making it hard to get back in. And, um, and then obviously the orcs have superior vision and numbers and everything. So, but at the same time, you know, I, I told them, you know, it's challenging, but I, you know, I believe in them, you know, they've faced lots of challenging things before. I didn't mean to get, you know, I wasn't sappy about it or whatever, but you know, they you know, they, they have a lot of strength together. They have a lot of creativity and I, I reward creativity. I'm not a, a, a you know, a sadistic, um, you know, sociopath or something that's, that's looking forward to just slaughtering them. But, um, you know, it's, it's going to be challenging. There's no doubt about it. I and mean, they what they ended up doing, which was really smart, is, uh, you know, they had invisible, uh, the Lanix, the magic user, who's half-elf, so has some, some vision, uh, cast invisibility on himself and, and started going in to explore the caverns. And so this allowed them to kind of get an idea of the entire mapped-out cavern and see what exactly they're looking at. And so in one cavern, they've got this kind of witch-doctor, priestess, orc, all the, you know, almost all of the male orcs were killed by them on that first, their first assault a couple of weeks ago. So it's just the females mostly as far as soldiers, you know, soldier types and their morale, their morale is obviously not very strong. The magic user speaks orc, orcish, so could understand what they were saying. And it was the witch doctor trying to rally them. You know, remember that you're you know, remember the men were killed by them. Stand strong, strike to their hearts. The orc children have all been kind of hidden in these smaller caverns around this lake inside one of the chambers. And, you know, the so Lanix can tell that, um, and Lanix pointed this out, that the, the, the witch doctor priestess, she's kind of holding up the morale of the, the female orcs who are not, you know, accustomed to fighting and seem a little shaky about it. And one of the other chambers, there is the Orog, you know, the half orc, half ogre 
Garunzer that they encountered a couple of you know uh, sessions ago that rides his own cave lizard and is just a total massive badass. You know he's going to be a problem, and he's just in his chamber sharpening his weaponry. You know, so he you know they know he's going to be a problem. And then in the final chamber, which is a little bit nicer, you know, for orcs, it's nice. <laughs> uh, can hear three voices, but doesn't see anything. So he knows that there's three orcs that are invisible. And this is presumably the leadership, you know, the chief and maybe some other priests. And um, But then sees tied up on the ground, Sam Hayes, who for long-time listeners or uh, even the new listeners, he's a priest that disappeared from the small town of Milbourne, was kidnapped, and that's what led them to the, the Garlstone Mines many sessions ago. So uh, a, a kidnapped priest. And one of the interesting things that um, Lannox hears them talking about in here is they're like, oh, what do we do? You know, oh, well, we, we, we'll fight them. I'd rather take my chances with the dwarfs and humans than... than uh, the mind flayers. Ah, oh, yes, the illithids. They will, they what they will do to us will be much worse. We will fight to the death and defend ourselves here. You know, so they hear those two words that certainly lower level parties don't want to hear. Mind flayers. So they know that somehow now, based on the invisibility spy work of Lanix, that mind flayers are somehow involved. That's a, ooh, those two words you just don't want to hear. Mind flares, you know. <laughs> so, and uh, but see that Sam Hayes is tied up. Um, he get you know it allows them to know exactly what they're facing, which is something they hadn't had before. Walking into a total mystery, not knowing the numbers of forces, not knowing where things are, very very very, very difficult. But now at least they have a chance. They know what they're facing. So, Lannix comes back makes his way back out and conveys all of this information to them. So by this time we were getting to be, you know, about three hours in the session. And actually we played a little bit shorter cause I was late, but once it gets to be about 11, my time, it's just not, I mean, sometimes I push it a little bit after, but I'm, I'm done by then. I, I I've got this like internal alarm clock to where no matter when I go to bed, I'm always get up at 6am. It's like, if I sleep past 6am, it is a rarity. Probably have only slept past six, you know, five times maybe in the last, you know, two years. It just, I don't even have to set an alarm. It just happens or rather I'm, if I'm on vacation weekend doesn't matter um and it's it's weird it doesn't matter what time i go to bed so i have to try to make sure to get into bed at a reasonable hour because i know that i'm going to get up no matter what just a weird froth thing um so we were kind of getting towards the end and so they were just strategizing about it and this whole thing came up where they're talking about it's one of those classic things that gets talked about a lot about you know the moral dilemmas of, of, of killing orcs or whatever. And I thought I'd mentioned this just to kind of be the last thing I talk about, but, uh, you know, in my game, I use the old school one E orcs where they're, they're pig faced. They have the faces of pigs. They're like the, what are they? Gamorians? I think they're Gamorian Gamorians. I don't know my star Wars lore as much as some other people, but you know, the, 
like the pig face guy at Jabba the Hutt's place and uh, Return of the Jedi, you know, the little pig guards or whatever. That's kind of what the orcs are, you know, in my games. They they don't they're not they're they're monsters. They're not meant to resemble any kind of culture whatsoever, and they're evil. You know, there there's no. You know, the babies are going to grow up to be evil. You stick your finger out. Hey, coochie, coochie, coo. Ah, you know, they'll bite your damn finger off. <laughs> they're, they're monsters. You know, they're not. Uh, and over time in D&D, there was more and more effort to humanize them, you know. Uh, giving them their own, you know deeper religion and culture and, and stuff like that and changing the looks of them. And, uh, but for me, they're, they're pig faced monsters, you know, um, savages. But I, use, I see these debates, I see these debates or, or people talking online. And one of the things that gets referenced that I'm pretty ignorant of, so I can't comment too deeply about it. But it comes down to Tolkien, you know, inventor of the orcs. Um, I, uh, and, uh, and Tolkien's inspirations for, for Tolkien's orcs and things that Tolkien said later in his life and everything. And, and put, long story short, a lot of people look at orcs as, as, as a racist thing or as they were inspired by real life cultures or in real life peoples and, and, and this kind of thing. And then there's also just a, like the moral dilemma that, that gets mentioned in some, you know, here and there, uh, about, you know, killing the young and that kind of thing of, of monsters. And it's like, uh, you know, do you, know, people will, kind of i don't know put a real world superimposition on the game of like would you kill a real baby it's like no, well it's not a real baby <laughs> no you know i would never put something you know but i don't put like a bunch of baby orcs in the game either where the players have whatever have to make that decision you know the the the, the, the young orcs in, in this situation are, are safely off camera they're not going to encounter them they're not going to have to deal with it um but you know, it is there in the, the, you know, in the encounter, this is a lair. So it's not just all men, you know, or all females just, uh, you know, generating more orcs by themselves, like, you know, some weird amphibious frog that can self procreate or anything, you know, um, I don't know, way off the topic now, <laughs> but, uh, well, you know, just way off on the orc tangent, but anyway, I, it was something that happened and thought I'd mention it. So that's, we kind of talked about that a little bit as we, as we ended, because what was going to happen now was basically the party had, uh, kind of scoped it out with help of the invisibility. Hopefully next session they'll have, uh, you know, cast with them at least. I think Cyril will probably miss again. So that will be what it is. Uh, maybe getting to the end of this huge, you know, chapter of the campaign. And I think if they do, I'm going to talk to the players about it. This might be at one of those points where it's good to kind of pause the campaign for a week or two, maybe run something else for a one shot. It's kind of like a palate cleanser 
to kind of regroup and get back to it because I know that this uh, this whole orc cavern thing has gotten a little grindy and the uh, the I could tell that they're a little frayed or whatever you want to call it not afraid but a little frayed from from dealing with it and um, it might be a good point to kind of pause it from getting too grindy do something as a palate cleanser and, and then get back to it but I'm still thinking about that I'll talk to the party about that anyway that's what I got for y'all this week uh, next you'll hear from me is top three Tuesday. I've had some great call-ins from Anchorites and other folks uh, with some ideas for that. So I'm really looking forward to it. Very much appreciate you listening. If you've got any comments, you can use the Anchor Voice message system to message me, or you can send me an email at frothsoft, frothsof at gmail.com. Check out the Thought Eater blog, frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. I've picked up another couple of uh, patrons recently on my Patreon want you all to know really appreciate you thank you for your support i'm going to keep trying to bring y'all good content and that uh is really appreciated so if anyone's interested in that it's patreon.com forward slash thought eater it's only one tier one dollar a month if you're interested in backing me up support me for a buck a month check that out but whether you do or you don't i'm just uh, thankful that you're listening and checking out my stuff so thank you very much logan Let's go. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade. Zeroing in on your mental trade. Gonna help you escape from the grind. Thought eater gonna blow your mind. Boom, 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 boom,